Life Audio. Hey, thanks for listening to the Happy Rant Podcast. I want to tell you about our partner, Visual Theology. If you go to visualtheology.church, you can check out the full slate of resources that they offer. Visual Theology is one of the best biblical and theological resourcing sites on the internet. There's digital resources, there's print resources, and as you can tell by the name, they are visually inclined. So the, the idea is beautiful well-imagined design to help us understand the Bible and theological concepts better, taking difficult passages of scripture, big theological concepts, and putting them into a visual form, whether that's in a book or on a poster or on a t-shirt, that allows us to better grasp what those mean, along with some really clear written biblical teaching. So if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're in ministry, especially youth ministry, college ministry, if you're a small group leader, or if you just want to understand the Bible and theology better, visit visualtheology.church and use the code HAPPYRANT at checkout for a 20% discount. You will be astounded at the quality of the design as well as the clarity of the teaching. It is an, an incredibly helpful collection of resources. So again, visualtheology.church and use the code HAPPYRANT at checkout for a 20% discount. I also want to let you know that we have a Patreon site. For those of you who aren't familiar, Patreon is a site that allows listeners like you to support content creators like us financially. We joke a lot about uh, being big business mavens and how much money we make on this podcast. The answer is uh, we actually don't make very much money on this podcast at all. So the financial support that many of you already give and that we would love more of you to give is really helpful for covering our production costs, for doing spinoff things like our sports show, for doing live events, all of which have a cost attached that would otherwise come out of our pockets. So if you go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Happy Rant Podcast, you can check out our site. What you'll find there is a chance to give any amount monthly, could be a dollar, could be a thousand dollars at different tiers. We will send you free signed books. And then here's the kicker. We do bonus podcast episodes exclusively for our Patreon supporters. We try to do them weekly. It probably comes out to be more like 35, 40 times a year. We've done over 50 of these since we opened our Patreon account. So you have all of that backlog. These are exclusive. We don't release these in the normal feed except occasionally exclusive for our Patreon supporters. So again, go to patreon.com slash happy rent podcast. And we would love it if you were able and willing to support us for any amount monthly. Lastly, I want to highlight our sports podcast. Ted and I do a sports podcast. It used to be part of this feed. And for some of you, it was a highlight. For others of you, you were like, skip that mess. Well, it is its own thing now. So you're welcome to those of you who don't like sports. For those of you who do, go to wherever you get podcasts and search Happy Ranch Sports. Please subscribe to it. Share it with friends. You'll be familiar with it. We're not analysts, we're not reporters, but we do some analysis. It's a lot of fan interaction. It's what we love about sports. It's how sports interact with life. We talk a lot of uh, a lot of nostalgic sports, what we used to love, how we played growing up, how we became fans, those kinds of things. We'd love it if you listened. It's a really good time. Just go search for Happy Rant Sports wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Boys, we've got a lot of dumb stuff to talk about, stuff that's just stupid 
and ridiculous. Um, stuff that's stupid that we're a part of, that we do, that we even contribute to, um, including probably this podcast at some level. But uh, before we get into that, let's do another stupid thing and take a break right at the top of the show. Very dumb thing to do. People hate it, but let's do it anyway. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, boys, we're back. Um, paid some bills during that stupid break, but, uh, now I want to talk about a thing that, uh, came through the happy rant group chat last night. The group chat was, there was like smoke flying off of it. There was so much activity in it last night. Um, and so many stupid things for us to talk about, but the one that I think might be fun to start with is this whole idea of theology of fill in the blank. Um, like these ideas, these think pieces, these books, are proliferating right now. Everybody has a theology of blank thing. Um, Piper, what made you send this into the group chat? Like, where where were you at when this happened? Uh, it as as um, all my good ideas, assuming this is a good idea, come from Twitter. I don't have you know. It, I oh. have no I have no other muse. Um, wow. <laughs> so that's that's equal parts sad and troubling. A very but, full uh, and rich life. Oh, what a rich life, baby! You know, it, it's it's yeah, it is it is my my utmost for his highest or whatever it is my highest for his utmost in, in yeah Twitter. yeah and uh, yeah so I know I saw I saw a Twitter thread where there's there's a guy who who uh, I'm familiar with who's a professor who mm-hmm. works a lot in the area of like history of sports. He's a Christian guy, does a lot of sort of history of faith in sports. And, yeah. and a lot of it's really cool, like the articles where he's sort of telling the stories of, you know, the start of Athletes in Action or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. But he he basically was like, we need more books on theology of sport. You know, like we've got a lot of theology of vocation <laughs> and stuff. And I was like, uh-huh. do we do, yeah. do we need to ruin sports? That's really what's that's really what's going yeah. on in my mind is do we need to take a fun thing and make it not fun? Is that is that what we need? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's what we need. I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe not. Um, although I do know these theology of sports guys. Text the guy's name in a group chat if you don't mind, Pipe. I would okay. I would like to know what his name is without saying it on the air because I used to run in these circles. Um, I don't know, a decade plus ago, I did a book on like Christianity and sports for Moody Publishers. Shout out Moody Publishers. It had a terrible title. It had a cool title, undoubtedly, and then they changed it to something stupid. Um, But anyway, that book came and went, but part of it coming and going was getting invited to some of these, like, um, (laughs) 
Uh, I just saw the name. Uh, getting invited to some of these uh, theology of sports conferences, which were solely the purview of like PhD academics in like leisure studies and me. Baby, did and, they really have theology of sports? Co- like, obviously, I would have never heard of those. Like, what? Like, yeah. flesh them out. Like, what were they? Dude, they did. So, like, so they had been the kind, kind of, of on the small side, right? Just more like, dude, they were on the small side. They were very niche. So it was the okay. kind of thing where, like, I don't know, twenty of these people would get together at Calvin College and, like, I don't know, gotcha. read their papers out loud in a classroom, <laughs> and uh, and then you you go out into the narthex for snacks. You know, I mean, it was brutal. It was just stupid. One of those self sustaining academic things that kind of happens in a vacuum and nobody cares about it. But um, I think you I mean, just described think... all of academia, actually. <laughs> no kidding, dude. Um, I I don't know. Here's the thing. And I guess here's where I land on this as Christians. And I want to hear you on this big R you're the, you're the, you're both men of the cloth. I'm sorry, pipe. Sometimes I forget that you're a man of the cloth. Now I take that um, as a compliment. If it's forgettable, it means I think I'm doing it right. <laughs> it's exactly. You're keeping your head down, man. Staying out of trouble. Um, I mean, honestly, as an athlete and, and as a coach, I would hope that part of my growth in sanctification over the years has been an increasingly Christian perspective on the sports that I'm playing and coaching. And I would hope that my athletes and teammates and other people who encounter me in those contexts have seen, you know, the fruit of my faith, you know, and and we would hope that for every realm of life, right? Business, I don't know, leisure, whatever. Um, But yeah, I have such a low view of the industry that we're in, Christian publishing, that the idea of like beating my brains out to do a proposal on a book called the theology of sports. That's going to get me like a $7,000 advance and be read by 900 people just seems laughable. Now in six months, I'll probably do it. Um, <laughs> despite what I just said, <laughs> despite how sad and ridiculous that is, but I'm, I'm doing the outline for your prop right now. I'm sure you'll yeah, wonderful that. baby. Yeah. yeah. No, I you're mean, welcome. don't, you're welcome. Don't spend that 3,500 that we're going to split all in one place. <laughs> can <laughs> you imagine me partnering with you on a theology of sports? Now that, uh, that might almost make you want to do it because it would be so ridiculous. See, I it think that could be, be so great. Cause ridiculous. you have like, instead of the, instead of it being like a, a, a insiders talking to insiders, you basically have Ronnie coming along and going, why should anyone what are care? Sport? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what am a sport? And, yeah. uh, and, and it, it, it's a real different premise. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Let's, let's put a fine point on this big R. Um, you're a pastor, you're a pastor in the Midwest. Um, you're a pastor, maybe in a context where, I mean, people love their sports, right? Yeah. Just and a tad. Just people a love, people bit. love their youth sports. People love their, oh my unathletic kids in a travel baseball league where we're you know uh out, out of out of state 94 sundays a year like um you know yeah. how do you how do you I, I guess i have a two-part question what do you think of like the theology of fill in the blank stuff and then specifically with sports like do you think this is needed based on what you're seeing I don't know. I, you know, I, there's, I guess there's always a needed theology of something. I think when it, mm-hmm. I think when it catches, I think when it sort of catches the tail end of a trend and then it feels like publishers are grabbing it and they're like, yeah. well, let's do a theology of, of everything. 
Not, yeah. I mean, obviously there, there is a theology of everything technically, if you're, yeah. you know, if you're trying to be gospel centered and, you know, you, mm-hmm. you have the, that lens, you know? So I would say, yeah. we would say, yeah, it informs everything we do. I think what you said in the beginning is true, man. I, you want people to see Christ, a reflection of Christ in everything you do. You want them to see your personal sanctification as that unfolds. All of that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether the world needs to be inundated with, you know, 50 new theology of books. I mean, dude, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a publishing house. So if yeah. people want to write them, you know, some, here's the thing. It's like anything else. There's always going to be like pearls in whenever, whenever these things start coming out, you know, and there's going to be ones that stand out and ones that really are answering questions that maybe haven't been answered, maybe even just to the place where we're at contextually today. And maybe, I mean, all joking aside, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe you guys could even do something like that. You know what I mean? In the way that you can unpack it, process it and talk about it in a way that's not being talked about. Um, I think that could be interesting. I would actually be interested in reading something like that as well. But to your other point about sports, you know, what's so funny is like, I grew up in a massive sports family, um, a massive baseball family, really. My dad was just Mm -hmm. sold out to the LA Dodgers. And um, man, I spent years going to baseball, afternoon baseball games, night games, angel games, Dodger games. So I, I make the big joke about, you know, the non-sports guy sort of thing, but I, I was, I grew up in it. We didn't play it that much mm-hmm. um, because my dad had a real, real hard time with Little League and Little League parents and that culture. Mm-hmm. He really yeah. despised that. So he yeah. was sensitive to that. And then we got into motorcycle racing anyway. So that, that just, that was, that became the sport that we did. But yeah. at the same time, I think, I think that I think that John F., my pops, I think what he was good at and what he instilled was, hey, I, I mean, unless you are, this should be fun. So mm-hmm. even when we raced motorcycles, I was super serious about it because I thought, man, I would love to, you know, get to this next level. I wasn't good enough to do that, it turns out. But yeah. he was the kind of dude that was like, hey, let's keep this in perspective in the sense that if we're going to do this as a family, we are going to invest time and money, but it should be fun. And it should be something that creates memories and gets us together because the chances are that you're not part of that literally zero 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 point one percent that's going to go all the way with this. And yeah. I think that's that's what surprises me now is the lack of perspective about people that are sold out <clears throat> to sports to the degree that they are. And that it's all, this is the part that gets me the most is that it's a given. Like there's yeah, no, it's sure. not even a conversation. There's no thought about it. There's yeah. no thought about it. It's like when my kid turns this age, like we are going to be sold out to this for the next, whatever, X number of years, 10, 12, you know, 15 years as my kid is going through school. And it's yeah. almost like, it's not even a, like, does your kid even want to do this? Is, is this just like well, an automatic, yeah. you know, um, is this just an assumption of like what families do in terms of investment of time and money? And is it, is it something that is really just done? as something that's pleasurable, enjoyable, something yeah. as a family activity, or, or is it really like this push because you really have dreams that your kid is going to excel to a place that you weren't yeah. able to. I mean, it, it just brings up all these things for me. And I think yeah, and I, it's overdone. It's overdone to a place where, I mean, certainly it's uh, and you've written about this. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a it's one of our big idol, I would say pieces. Yeah. I think that's the problem with pipe and I writing about it and pipe. I want to hear you on this. I think it would be, too fun and too engaging for the, you know, academic theology of sports people. There wouldn't be enough like footnoted reference materials to articles that no one read. Um, so there, there'd be that as a problem. But I think if I were to write it, I would, 
Yeah, I would say a lot of the things that you're saying, right? So, like, don't miss church for travel baseball for your unathletic kid. Like, let me watch your kid work out for 15 minutes, and I'll tell you if travel baseball is a good a good investment, <laughs> right? And spoiler alert, the answer is no, because I've seen you work out. You know what I mean? Like, but here's the thing, and, and Pipe, you speak to this. It's an unbelievably ironclad industry because it's trading on people's dreams, right? Yeah, so. Anytime you have an industry that's set up, it's like writing conferences, right? Yeah. <clears throat> 90% of people can't write and they suck at it. But, you know, you dangle a conference with like, oh, here's how to get your book published. And a bunch of people come. Uh, youth sports is the same way. Like, pay 1200 bucks, have your kid join this travel hockey league, and he'll get watched by scouts, <laughs> you know. But the fact of the matter is... Um, a tiny percentage of people go anywhere with sports because it's really hard and it takes a lot of talent and drive and determination. And most people don't have that Piper. It, speak and it, to it. It's not even just trading on people's dreams. Cause it's like one step more insidious than that. Because like, if you get into mm -hmm. a, you know, there's all these sort of how to make your first million dollars cohorts or whatever. Like at some point, yeah. a little self-evaluation, you go, this, this hustle is not working for me. Yeah. We're not trading on our dreams. We're trading on our kids' potential. And so like self-awareness yes. is barely even part of the equation. And so it's uh yeah. it, it it's actually it's actually more dangerous because you don't realize that what you're actually trading on is like your kids' happiness and your kids' yeah. time and their spiritual development and their emotional development and and all of this stuff. And so yeah, it's it's a it's not going anywhere. When it comes to yeah. like the theology of books. I mean, I, every I know a lot of people who are, you know, they're, they're thoughtfully trying to figure out how do I give my kids a great sports experience without turning sports into an idol or missing mm -hmm. church every week and things like that. And it's become so polarized that it's either like, well, you can you can go kick a soccer ball in the backyard or you yeah. can be gone 350 days a year. Those are your options. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and so it's tough. But like those people don't read theology of sports books. Exactly. Like, yeah. The only people who read it are the people who write it. Like they're they're going to write the response right. paper to this thing, and so it's one of the one of the trickiest things about books on sports is that the people yeah. who need them are the people who hundred percent will not read them. That yeah. is a tremendous point. Um, <laughs> How to think Christianly about sports for dads? Right. No, <laughs> right. that that book is going straight to McKay's the next time they drive through Nashville or whatever. Like they're just they're trading that thing in so fast. They're never reading it. Well, and it's interesting because and we're all parents, so we can all speak to this. Like there is an element when you have a kid, you go through this period of you do think they're amazing. You know what I mean? So you're you're drinking the Kool-Aid about your own kid. You're dreaming the big dreams about, oh, he's he's more talented than I was. Like he's got this amazing upside and, and you know, it's fun to feel that way about your kid, but yeah. Like, is it fun to the degree that we're going to miss church every Sunday and dump thousands of dollars into a bucket and just light it on fire? You know, I, I yeah. Increasingly I would be more of the kick the soccer ball in the backyard camp, which is crazy because I love sports and I love competing and I love, taking things as far as I can take them and as far as they can be taken. But um, to your point, Pipe, you're so right that the person who needs to read that book totally wouldn't read it. And and so I want to hear you guys both on this as pastors, not to go like all reformed 
Theo bro on it, but I, I, I guess what people, myself included as a sports dad, really need is to know Scripture better, to know Christ more, to walk more closely with him, and to have a softer, more tender conscience about all this stuff. And if all of those things are happening then it follows that my sports life will be better as a result. So maybe what I need is not a book about sports, but maybe what I need is a more robust life of the local church, a greater commitment to Bible reading and prayer. You know what I mean? And it sounds like a very Theobro answer, but I think it, it might be right in this case. What do you guys think as pastors? I, I think that's, I mean, what you just said about a greater life of the local church is, Mm-hmm. It is a disappointing answer because it's so obvious, but yeah. it's obvious because it's the only right answer. I mean, it's it's one yeah. of those like it, it's uh, part of the reason that sports have become what they are is because the place of church in society and in people's commitments over the last you know twenty to forty years has just diminished a ton. Probably since the sixties, right. you know, like church right. used to be the thing around which communities pivoted in many cases. That's right. And it's not anymore. Like everybody does mm-hmm. their own thing. And that means everything like your own self-interest come first now instead of the church being sort of a driver. And there's a lot of issues with church culture in the past. But like that prioritization is generally much healthier to be like, I'm going to put the family of God first and mm-hmm. uh, Little League second, third or like 112th. You know, it just yeah. it's somewhere else down the line. Yeah. Big R. Any more thoughts on this one? Yeah, I th- it's just kind of just hearing you guys. It kind of makes me wonder. Um, I-, I wonder just like kind of focusing out a little bit on it and just thinking about parents that, you know, that really, really like indulge themselves into this culture. Mm-hmm. I just I wonder if a lot of it is um, and this springs back to church and it springs back to, I think, community and lack of community. And I, I think for mm-hmm. uh, conversations I've had with people, it seems like, you know, there there's this you know, there's this desire to want to connect with people that of which, you know, they have some common interests and, and there's a, there's a nostalgia to it and they feel comfortable when they're, you know, when they're at the field and there's all these families right? and there's, there's all these dads holding drinks and everybody's watching kids and the conversation can, the conversation yeah. can like, it, it can, it can kind of level out to where it's, it's not, it's not going too deep. It's talking yeah. about things that are light. It's getting your mind off of your job. It's, um, and I think, I think it kind of goes back to what Piper said a little bit about, you know, I, it, it kind of speaks to, you know, maybe what our churches are attempting to do, but not doing a great job of, or the temptation that the greater temptations outside of church culture, which is, hey, I just want to connect with people on things that allow me to check out and to not have to yeah. think so deeply about things that are wrong in my life. And mm-hmm. um, this is easy and it's enjoyable and it's where I, I connect with people that I that I have some sense of commonality with, and and you know, sports yeah. is going to be one of those massive things. So I wonder if it's almost like more. It's in some ways for parents that immediately snap to the field. I wonder if it's born out of some kind of loneliness, lack of community. Well, that you know, that's a great point. I I think what happens in so many of these cases, and there there's upside and downside to this, right? So I think what you're describing, Big R, is that the travel. Mm-hmm sports team becomes the de facto church yeah for sure and i've seen this in people right it becomes their their social life the thing that they do every weekend which is all well and good if it's working well right if my kid's getting a lot of playing time and he still likes the sport then it's great but what happens when he decides 
you know, I want to do art or I want to like play the trombone or I want to do nothing. Or, or I want to have friends. Yeah. Like I want to I I have friends. I want to yeah. come home after I school have a life. and maybe like chill for a minute. Yeah, exactly. So then mom and dad, all of a sudden they lose their de facto church. They lose all their friends. Uh, that's just a lot to put on the shoulders of your 12 year old, I think, you know, which is why this whole, this whole thing is so dysfunctional. Um, but that's, yeah, what, what, go ahead, pipe. That's such a, that's such a, but what, what, what Ronnie just said and what you responded to is so fascinating to me because up until this year, one of my daughters was in swim and she's now in high school. And like, you get to a point with, with a sport like swim, where there are those who are trying to be like division one college swimmers, or like swim in the Olympics. And then there's mm-hmm. nobody else. <clears throat> and she yeah. was, she was kind of what I would say kind of a health, she had like a healthy approach to it, which is, I love being on a team. I love the activity of yeah. swimming. I love improving. And there's not a place mm-hmm. for that. You know, yeah. there's, there's not like a place where you can enjoy and improve and go home and relax. Like, and it becomes a six yeah. day a week and <clears throat> every weekend thing. And yeah. honestly, I hated it. I hated it the whole yeah. time she was in swim because it became more and more like, I'm having to rearrange my life to do a thing that I don't think is important. Yeah. But I would get there and there were people who like, this was their life. Like they were, they, they they had their spots and they had their rhythms and they had like, and I was like, Oh, this is, they are to this, the way I am at church in terms of a, there's Mm. a familiarity, there's a community. There's almost like a liturgy of it. (laughs) Like, yeah. And, and and I, you know, there's your book liturgy of sports, but, uh, Oh man. That's a great better. title. That's way uh, all, the, all the Anglican non-athletes will read it. Um, it's uh, <laughs> exactly so seventeen people, guys. Just no, all the that. all the Anglicans are non-athletes. Forward so, by you know Stanley Grins, you know, like <laughs> posthumously posthumously uh, endorsed by GI Packer. Um, yeah, but uh, Kyle, look forward to selling eleven hundred copies of that. Um, uh, but grief. but yeah, that but but what, yeah, the it just. I hadn't sort of put two and two together to be like, yeah, that is like every Saturday at the, you know, Brentwood YMCA or sports center or whatever it was pool. That's those families church. And it's an all day affair. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Fascinating stuff, boys. Um, And I do mean that not in a Midwestern way. Uh, Let's take a break. And then I want to come back and talk about a couple more theology of things with you guys all right we're back um i think there's some meat on the bone left with this theology of fill in the blank thing which is ridiculous and funny to talk about have you guys encountered the theology of food people whose kind of sole purpose in life is just to watch the movie babette's feast and then draw out like (laughs) academic responses to it have you have you run I have across not these seen any theology of food stuff in our tribe i'm, I'm sure it's there i just I I literally have not seen it it's a blast well that's Piper, because have you seen it that's because the leading authors in our tribe have kevin de young's diet which is like cheeseburgers with no veggies and gummy bears you know like <laughs> there is no babette's feast um so Dude, quick- okay so i, I want to yeah i want to ask you about that and then i want to hear the next thing that you were going to say why why is it that guys in our tribe have the palates of like four year olds? Or in what, my dad's the case, the palate of like a ninety four year old. It's I mean, I mean that's a gen- <laughs> that's a generational thing. I think it's just it's like yeah. the kids that have grown up with like chicken nuggets and like they sure. never they never graduate beyond that kind of a thing. So it's like I don't know. I see that all the time now with like kind of the thirty and younger crowd where it's like you 
like they they're like they're so picky it's almost like you're giving them like my wife is really great cook and it's Uh like they're kind of looking at some of her food and there's like this idea of like um so do you have anything a little less ambitious it's like what do you what do you mean ambitious yeah this is delicious not ambitious yeah um and so it's really another great book title this is delicious not not ambitious ambitious. (laughs) that's gonna be my theology of food book cooking with big m delicious not ambitious we Uh, joke about that book happening but you could probably get a deal for it Oh, 100%. Um, as ridiculous as that sounds, your advance would be five grand. Um, <laughs> I love how you're all on the advances. <laughs> I, I know too much, dude. We, we've been in this too long is the problem. You know what I mean? We know how the sausage is made. And um, yeah, it's just not fun anymore. But uh, Pipe, what were you going to say about uh, theology of food people? Oh, I was going to ask you a question. So <clears throat> I, I've mm-hmm. seen this go two ways. And it and it's uh, you, you have the like... The sort of like wallowing, reveling, gourmet uh, artisan <laughs> taste side of things. Then yeah. you have like the food justice crowd, which is where I thought you were going mm. with it. So I went to a conference. It's probably been 10 years ago now. <clears throat> it's yeah. the first time I ever encountered the uh, the phrase food justice. It was a Q conference, which was this mm-hmm. sort of uh, Christian think tank not not denominational sort of looking at how christianity affects different parts of society and aspects of it were like super fascinating just in terms of yeah the political conversations and social justice and different things and then they would get super in-depth about stuff that i was like this is the dumbest and one of them was like uh mercifully raised and killed beef and food justice and uh, wow. and so I thought you were going that route when you said theology of food is like the people who are who are going to judge you if, you know, somebody's ever given your hamburger some antibiotics or something like that. <laughs> no, I was more thinking of the I think the first kind that you laid out like um, and, and and these are these theology of fill in the blank. I think the more the more that we talk about this, the more I realize these are just the chronic overthinkers in any crowd. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yes. like, hey, I'm enjoying this steak. Um, I wonder how I could overthink it and make it into a paper. You know, um, I, I think that's. Kind I need of the something else to feel this. guilty about. I wonder where this steak came from. I mean, it pipe. Yeah, that, that kind Here's of. Here's my question, though. What? Um, yeah. Like, I like who are the like pipe? Who are these guys? Like, because I, I literally <laughs> don't see any. I don't see any. Okay, so here's the thing. I follow so many like instagram foodie people because i they're fun they're like fun posts to get right because it's usually hey look at this beautiful dish and here's how you can make it and so we follow people like half-baked harvest which is i'm sure double k does it's fun stuff to like look at and to say hey we can make that um but it's certainly not there's nothing sort of like politically driven about it and it's all just about making things beautiful and delicious kind of a thing you know yeah delicious not ambitious or sometimes both but um (laughs) But like, who are like in our evangelical tribe? Like, who are these foodie people? Because I, I'm, I'm being totally honest right now. Like, I literally yeah. don't know who are they. Well, here's, I'll, I'll here's give you part three. Of it. I'll give you three guesses. The first two don't count. And here's a hint: <laughs> writes about movies in the exact same way. Ah, uh, got it, got it. I've just we never know. seen any of those articles. Well, yeah, the, Piper. Those those articles. They're all like, um, y- y- you know, the table right the the theology of the table yeah like and it's yeah, it's all okay okay i'm that i get that or yeah you know, it's based on 
you know, hospitality and that whole thing. Okay. Just That's here's, a here's, different here's a key word to look out for. And Ted used it already in sort of in, in sort of uh, painting the, the the sketchy portrait of this crowd. Look for the word feast. Anytime yeah, 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 yeah. anytime a conservative Christian person uses the word feast, they're attempting to enter this sphere. You know, yeah. instead of like dinner was delicious, they're like, my wife prepared a feast. And I'm like, that's literally chicken and potatoes. That's, you know, I'm sure I'm sure it's <laughs> wonderful, but that's delicious, not ambitious. Um, and so, yeah, look for that word. That's another way where you're like people are they're sort of like they're getting into the 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 wallowing in this stuff as opposed to. No, just I get enjoying. it. That makes sense. Yeah, I was thinking more like. Like when you, uh, yeah, I needed to switch my head over to that. That makes total sense yeah. to me, Pipe. I was thinking more like, because, man, I'm telling you, you don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of, this, okay, so here's something that somebody could capitalize on, because I don't feel like yeah. there's a big foodie kind of movement in our evangelical tribe. It, it could be, right. like, I think you guys, I think you got guys like Yia Vang who are, like, breaking out right now, but they're not, they're not exactly immersed in our tribe. They just, they just... You know, they no, kind of, they, they just go to one of the churches that is associated with, and exactly. then they're really good at their job, which is they're being just a really chef. good chefs. Yeah, exactly. But but I mean, like even but you look at even like a Yia Vang, right? And that's a dude. That's a dude that could go to any book publisher right now and go, "Hey, I want to write like the you know the 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 evangelical like foodie book that's never been written," and they'd be like, "Just tell us how much money you want." You know what I mean? Baby, but, that's um, who you need to be working right now. You need, you need to kick Jared to the curb and hang out with this <laughs> Yia Vang. <laughs> Dude, I would love to hang with Yia Vang. I mean, you know. I'm Yia, sure I, you I, would. I can still hang with, J- with Jared C. That could, um, that could lead to another $7,000, you know? Good. I mean, Boys, <laughs> don't you know, spend I mean, all that in one place. <laughs> I think I think what's amazing is that there there are no book deals with me and Jared between me and jared in the future so just, doesn't that bum you out dude you've been you've been working him for the better part of a decade now and you've got nothing out of it you just need dude, to ask jared him to ghostwrite your next book jared c dude, is not a you're not a co-author man that boy you're is not, not even a doing co-author. a breakout at like for the church right i mean have you ever gotten like a like a substage d kind of bone thrown your way for that thing from jared c yeah no, Jared C. invited me out to his uh, normal uh, pastor conference a couple of years. Oh, ago. normal pastors, that right? He's doing normal thing, pastors starring a bunch of people anymore. who want to be celebrity pastors. <laughs> <laughs> so here, I, I think the reason the foodie thing. Sorry to actually get us back on what we were talking about. My apologies, guys. No, um, well I'm not interested in Jared C.'s co-authoring habits or non-habits. Um, <laughs> I think the reason the foodie thing won't take off in our crowd is the same reason that like no luxury good will take off in our crowd with the exception of calfskin Bibles. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it, we have like evangelical money guilt. We've talked about this so many times and there's, yeah. there is, should we just start blaming your dad for that? Yes. <laughs> My dad eats grape nuts for breakfast every day, has worn the same tweed coat for 40 years and everybody feels guilty doing anything more luxurious than that. So, I do not feel guilty for the record. I like nice things, boys. I like nice things. Right. This is why you're anomalous. Because we you look at you look at every other every other, you know, reform dish pastor's Instagram feed, and it's like, you know, you got like Dane Ortland and Josh Howerton fishing in tank tops. They just catch largemouth bass. You're like, that's it, that's a good blue collar hobby. Good job, guys. You got people who smoke meat, but again, they're they're doing the work themselves. Or and then you've got Ronnie who's like, No, I go to places. I do nothing. That smoke you need and then boys, serve it on square ceramic plates. I'm not a yeah. lawnmower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, you are the anomaly because you 
because you pay money to enjoy things prepared by other people and they're they're either aesthetically pleasing or delicious. That's not cool. normal in our crowd. But it sure is fun, boys. Let me. Where you get this money, nobody knows. But I, I, where do you get the four dollars for that muffin that you just posted? Boys, I have like six jobs right now. I don't know what to say. We should all be sojourn pastors. None of them are real, though. None of them are actual work. They feel real. Uh, I mean, I feel um, stressed. Big, big. I feel anxious. They feel real. Piper, I I agree with everything you're saying, except that the ignoring of that. I'm ignoring it. (laughs) Um, Dave Ramsey normalized greed in our tribe you know what i mean like our tribe fell face first into the mountain of dave ramsey like you know kind of greed sanctification so i actually think you could sell the foodie thing but um but there's but there's but there's a big differentiation like the ramsey whole like you know glorified prosperity gospel thing exists mm -hmm. in in the uh kind of the non-reformed megachurch world. Like it only enters our world when you get into getting out of debt. And then the pastors jump back in and they're like, great. Now that you're out of debt, give, you know, give away all your money and live in poverty. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that's a gross exaggeration, but it, I don't think, I think the Ramsey influence lives outside of the sort of reformed world. There's a striking similarity between the reformed world and like sort of monkish self-flagellation, which is funny given how reformed them started, but uh, it, yeah, there's, I, there is a, there is a distinct discomfort in normal enjoying of things. And I wrote, I literally wrote a whole book about this because of how yeah. absurd I think it is. And, uh, or you have the, you have the people who are trying to sort of swing the pendulum the other way. And they're the ones who are like, this is a feast. And you're like, there's a middle ground here where you can just be like, yeah. that was delicious. Thank you for making that for me. Let's do it again next yeah. week. Like it just, it just kind of keep it at, at the normal level of like gratitude and enjoyment. But we did you make a great point? I th- no, we're not. And I and I think either wild swing of the pendulum is a little bit repellent, right? Like the the self flagellation guys are a a bad hang. As are the like flexing all the time, conspicuous consumption guys. Those guys are obnoxious too. Um, so yeah, like the, the argument always tends to kind of end up in, boy, we're really drawn to people who can do moderation. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. They work hard. They enjoy their lives. And they're full of gratitude. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like these are the people that we're drawn to. But the problem with that is it's the wild swings of the pendulum that sell the books. You know what I mean? Um, you're never going to sell a book arguing for like moderation. And um, <laughs> I know I've bummer. tried like four times. <laughs> I know. Right. That's the problem. It's uh, it's hard to do. Um, Pipe, should we wrap this up and do a Patreon? Uh, yeah. Why don't we? Let's do it. Boys, <laughs> we've uh, we've done what we always do on this program in that we've wandered to and to and fro throughout the theology of fill in the blank. And um, we've groused a little bit. Uh, We've ended up in the middle, which is what we always kind of do. And until next time. We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. 
Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.